This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame, so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. It's birth story time. So gather around because we are chatting with Rachel Cunningham today, aka The Dope doula. And it's such a fun conversation. We go through basically Rachel's journey of birth and into birth work um, from her first birth and emergency C birth in the hospital to a second birth, which was a successful VBAC in a hospital, and then finally leading to her third and most recent birth at home. And Rachel is mama to Greta, Beatrice, and Agnes, wife to Bernard, and just an overall awesome human being. And our conversation, as I mentioned, is so fun. We talk about surrendering to the experience and aiming for a calm, centered, and in-control kind of thing, and yet understanding that sometimes it may not look like that 100% of the time. And let's be real, sometimes it can be a shh show. So... (laughs) That is a little taste for you of the stuff that we get into. And we're so grateful to Rachel for hanging out with us, sharing all of her her wisdom, her experience, her realness. It's just great. So here it is. I know you'll enjoy it. Hey, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah and Matthew. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. We're super excited to... Just be here with you, connect with you, and hear your amazing birth story. Thank you. I'm excited to tell it. So, Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. We were joking before we hit record here that there's really nothing going on on your end. You're actually kind of bored. So maybe you could (laughs) tell us about that. Yeah, my life's super boring. (laughs) So um, I'm married to my husband, Bernard, and we live in um, north uh, western Indiana. And I am actually a mama of three. I have a almost four-year-old, an 18-month-old, and now baby Agnes here, my home birth baby, is three weeks old. Um, on top of that, I'm also a birth doula myself, and I also run an Etsy shop where I provide apparel and accessories for birth workers. So, you know, just just chilling all the time. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. That is, that's yes. Just, that's just hysterical. Yeah, you're you're up to nothing over there. We need to send you something to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> so, What's the name of your birth, uh, your, your Etsy shop, actually? I'm curious about that. Cool. It, it's called Enlightened Labors Co. So like Enlightened Labors Company. Very cool. And, and I'm we'll... on Instagram and, and Etsy. Sweet. So we'll put links to all that in the show notes. So for you listening, if you want to go and check out what Rachel's up to, just head over to diahpodcast.com. And in the show notes, you'll have links to all that stuff. 
Yes. I love the yeah. swag too that comes in like the birth world, especially, you know, in this empowered birth space and uh, following all the people that I do and stuff. I love the cheeky, you know, shirts or just mom gear. Like it's almost, I joked on my podcast the other day that it's about, um, it's almost like the new school you go to. Like, you know, when you go to a university or whatever, you you don their gear and like that's your alma mater and you have their, their mascot and everything. It's like the same with motherhood. I own more like motherhood t-shirts now than any other kind of shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I, I definitely feel that same way. <laughs> That's great. So, um, Rachel, the path to home birth for baby Agnes, let's talk about that for a second. Cause I feel like it, it sets us up and sets, you know, the powerful scene for what will be her birth story. What were some of the factors that went into why you wanted to do home birth? Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, I had my first baby in 2014. Um, and when I got pregnant with our, with our first daughter, I didn't know anything about birth and I was actually just, um, petrified of the entire process. Um, but through that pregnancy, I, um, of course watched the business of being born as everyone does. Um, and I decided to go with a midwife practice. Um, and I kind of thought I had set myself up for, um, like an all natural, um, well, medication-free birth um, in a hospital setting. And we had decided to go to the hospital because my husband felt more comfortable. It's funny looking back at this now. Um, my husband felt more comfortable being at the hospital. And we thought, you know, with our first baby, we would do that. Um, and actually, that birth ended up with an emergency cesarean after about 36 hours of labor, I want to say it was. Um, so it was kind of intense. And it left me... Um, a little bit traumatized. Uh, maybe okay, not a little bit. It left me traumatized. Yeah. Um, and I dealt with some PTSD issues for you know probably the first year of her life, just going reliving that birth over and over again, and that kind of threw me into the birth world, which I never thought I would be interested in even. But all of a sudden, I was devouring everything Ina May, everything Penny Simpkin, and just um, listening to a podcast by the two labor organization, which is who I'm certified with, um, through my, for my doula training. Um, so I started like listening to these podcasts and just getting into everything birth and, um, wanting to do it again. <laughs> and we had always, my husband is one of seven. Um, and we had always wanted a really big family. Um, so when Greta was, my oldest was about two and a half or so, um, we got pregnant with my second daughter, Beatrice. Um, and of course she was going to be a VBAC. I was, I wanted to, to do a VBAC. And, um, at that point I had done my doula training. I attended one birth at that point and this was in 2016. Um, however, in Indiana, we have a few birth centers in my area that are amazing. Um, unfortunately they will not take VBAC. Huh. So our choices were another hospital birth or a home birth. And there was only two home birth midwives in the area. Um, one was, I was like just outside of her range and the other one didn't take insurance. So we decided again to do the hospital and do a VBAC with the hospital with our second baby. Um, and that it was a vaginal birth. Um, it ended, it was about, that was another really long one, like another 24 hour birth um, that actually started with uh, a membrane sweep that I did not consent to. So that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, my, um, I was overdue. I go overdue with all my babies, you know, in quote marks overdue, what right. is overdue. Um, but I usually go at least a week late. My first was a week late. My second was 10 days late. And baby Agnes here was two weeks late because she's super fashionable. <laughs> um, so with the second baby, you know, I, I was late and um, the OBGYN had me do a non-stress test and he wanted to do a vaginal check. And when he did that, he swept my membranes without telling me. And he kind of threw me into this really weird uh, slow labor and it ended up with, um, vacuum assistance and an epidural and mm -hmm. just kind of a, just kind of a landslide mess of things that I had not wanted. So 
fast forward six months and our surprise pregnancy with baby Agnes, mm-hmm. which it's really funny because when we um, conceived baby Agnes, it was a week where I had had two births as a birth doula. Okay. And we didn't know those things, you know, ovulation was happening again yet. <laughs> and those two births kind of threw me into uh, baby time. Oh my gosh. That's so yeah, funny. And, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I was laughing, but right, right. Well, <laughs> yeah, it it's interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's yes. something. <laughs> it, it is something. So yeah. So we found out we were pregnant with baby Agnes. And so she would be my second um, VBAC. And, you know, it, once a VBAC, you're always a VBAC. So I still was not, um, I still couldn't go to the birth centers. And um, I did not want to go back to the hospital after the last experience. So that's when I finally said, like, enough is enough. We're going to pay out of pocket and we're going to do a home birth. And so we went with the home birth midwife here in town that is absolutely amazing. And I have zero regrets. It was, it was just such a different style of care. Like you can't even, you can't even like explain it to people until they live through it. The, the difference of care between going to like a practice and then going to a small home birth midwife, you just, you get so much more time. My prenatals were all an hour long. Um, I didn't have to do anything I didn't want to, like any of the testing, any of that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't end up doing the uh, glucose screen because I had had great, you know, great um, numbers with the other two babies. I'd never had any issues with, with my blood sugars and stuff. And I was feeling really good with this pregnancy at that point. So we didn't do those screens. Um, we didn't do any pelvic exams, any vaginal checks any of that the entire time with my midwife so um it was a it was a very different experience just prenatally mm-hmm. as compared to being with a with an OBGYN or with midwifery practice that practices in hospital yeah. so just those things set me up for such a, a different experience um also you know it was my third time so I, I and I was a doula and I had witnessed you know, 15 other women's births, um, all in hospital. And I, I knew obviously what to expect here with number three, sort of not, (laughs) I mean, the birth story is crazy, but I sort of knew what to expect. Um, yeah. So sorry, my baby brain is just like macaroni (laughs) and cheese right now. (laughs) No worries. So I actually, I have a question. It's going to take us on a, a little bit of a tangent. And, um, Rachel, tell me if this is a little bit too personal. I, Oh no, you can't get too personal with me. All right. Great. Great. So, you know, in this show, we've had a lot of moms who've talked about membrane sweep and you've mentioned a couple of times. Can you just share like, what does that feel like? What is that like? And Sarah, did you have a membrane sweep? No, no. Okay. You know, I've, I've always just been curious exactly what they do and what that sensation is like. Would you mind sharing? Absolutely. So um, I had a sweep. Did I have a sweep with both? I think I did have a sweep with with both one, um, my first daughter and my second. Um, it's kind of hard to describe. And uh, in some women, it's a lot more sensitive than others. I've heard women say, oh, it wasn't anything. And then I've had others say, oh, my gosh, that was the worst thing ever. So for me personally, um, basically, they're just they're doing an internal exam. So he inserts his fingers. Mine was a male. He inserted his fingers into my vagina, um, just like he would be checking for dilation. And that's kind of what he does. He sticks his fingers up there and he's checking your cervix for dilation. And then what he does is he kind of opens up his fingers and then literally they call it like a stretch and sweep. And that's literally, if you can picture that they're taking their fingers around and kind of stretching you. Um, it feels like a very, very it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> it feels like a very uncomfortable uh, exam, which I know you would only know that sensation if you were, uh, you know, if you had a vagina and you have, you know, you're a woman. <laughs> so for, for you, Matthew, I mean, you know, if you can imagine someone putting their fingers in your butt and stretching it around, I guess that would be kind of comparable, but um, it is not a comfortable thing. 
However, it's not like for me, it wasn't any kind of like stabbing pain or anything like that. It's just, it feels really like, um, stretched out. I don't yeah. know. It's wow. uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've, we've just had a, a number of moms who've talked about that. And like you said, some of them have said it was, you know, it was uncomfortable. It wasn't the, the best thing in the world, but it also wasn't the worst. And then others have said it was, it yeah. was horrible and they, they completely disliked it. So, um, I was just curious. I didn't know a lot about what they actually do. So I appreciate you sharing and, mm-hmm. uh, kind of getting, getting in with the details. <clears throat> Thank you. No problem. And it's one of those things too, like as he was doing it, you know, it's happening. Yeah. Well, I knew it was happening. Like as, as he, I was like, well, you're stretching me and you didn't even ask. Thanks for that. So it's definitely mm-hmm. like something you don't, you don't go, it doesn't go unnoticed. <laughs> right. It's yeah, so yeah. funny how it's like, yeah. I mean, I have no idea what his frame of reference or mind was or how he, you know, conducts himself with his patients or how others do. But like, it's kind of not one of those like, well, while you're up type of things, you might as well do this. Like it's, a, it's like, well, you're in there, so you might as well. Like, that's not like, no, <laughs> that's, that's right, not the exactly. logical progression. You know, if there is an extra step that you are doing or taking while you are inside one of my orifices, like that's, that's something <laughs> yes. we talk about. Um, yes, that I'm would curious. have been nice. I'm yeah. glad you brought it up, Matthew, because I was just, as you described part of the elements of birth number two, you said there was like some, you know, weird and, and like the longer labor. Do you feel like there were any connections or anything kind of drudged up from some of the trauma that you, uh, described in birth one? Like, did you, did you feel any sort of like flashback to any of that? Or was there any connection in the two experiences as far as that sort of energy or feeling? Um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and that's the thing with a VBAC is there's a lot of, I mean, I don't know if anyone else puts this pressure on themselves, but I felt a lot of pressure. Like I, it's kind of like, you know, you're going into a basketball game or something. You're either going to win or you're not like, you're either going to have this baby come out of your vagina or you're not. So the not knowing and also the doubting of myself, like, well, I couldn't do it the first time. What makes me think I'm going to do it the second mm-hmm. time and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Also with my VBAC, I had switched providers um, three times. I had switched providers because I didn't feel like anyone was really um, believing in me and like in my corner with my VBAC. I mean, there's VBAC friendly in, you know, in quotes right. um, providers, but they weren't exactly encouraging. And every time I would go in, they'd be like, Oh yeah, you have a 60% chance of a successful VBAC. And I'm like, could you not tell me those numbers? Like yeah. just say, Hey, we're going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Wow. Yeah. So going into it, I just, I really, I was nervous and being in the hospital setting, it's like everybody's watching you and waiting for you to fail your VBAC. It's kind of how I felt. Mm. And everybody's like, you need to get your epidural. You got to get an epidural or we're going to have to cut you open if you rupture on the middle of the table. And they would say things like that in prenatal appointments to like scare me into doing this very like um, structured and medicalized birth where they, they wanted me to come in and get an epidural and be monitored and do the checks and do all of those things so that they felt like they could control my labor. And really in the end, that's what made me so uncomfortable that my labor was kind of a shit show. (laughs) I also find it fascinating. I just want to mention this point that you, you know, always fascinates me how, how much the, the laws and the regulations vary state to state on all different elements related to pregnancy, birth and and postpartum. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you could have been a successful VBAC mother and still not be able to birth in a center after a successful one is just, is interesting. I'll just use that word. It's interesting. So Mm -hmm. yes, Indiana as a whole is very interesting. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Indiana, get some, yeah. get some shit together. Um, for real, for real. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's talk about, uh, baby Agnes's birth. Um, walk us through okay. that. Okay. So, um, like, as I mentioned, I, I go late. Um, and I also have these like crazy long labors with my other two babies. Right. So that's what I'm expecting. And that is not what happened. Well, I did go late. So, um, 
40 weeks comes, 40 weeks goes. Uh, I'm having a lot of Braxton Hicks, and um, I had Braxton Hicks really that whole third trimester with Agnes. I think my uterus was just like, could you stop being pregnant, please, for five minutes? <laughs> and it needed some help to, like, little engine that could get up the hill, you know? That's so I was, um, <laughs> I was doing a lot of Braxton Hicks and stuff that third trimester, uh, and I was just trying to ignore it. Um, I listened to your guys' podcast through this whole pregnancy, and I also listened to the free birth podcast through this whole pregnancy, and I was really trying to get my mind in a place where I was just surrendering to the experience, and whatever happened, happened, and just trying to be as like zen and chill as absolutely possible. Um, I even told my midwife and my doula, I'm like, well, you you know, guys, if you make it, you make it. If you don't, you don't. It'd be fine. Like, I can have this baby at home by myself. No big deal. Um, that's not how I felt in labor, by the way. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so 40 weeks comes and goes. Um, 41 weeks comes and goes. And at this point, I'm pretty depressed because I thought, okay, third baby, she's going to come a little earlier. Uh, nope, she did not do that. So, um, she actually came at exactly 42 weeks. Um, and what happened was she was born on April 27th. It was a Friday morning. Um, so that Wednesday before, so two days before, um, I'd had a little bit of bloody show and, but nothing really like crazy, nothing to write home about anything like that. Um, the next day, was Thursday and I woke up and I had like a big bloody show. So I'm like, yes, awesome. Something is finally happening. Like I'm not going to be pregnant forever, hopefully. Um, but I also thought, you know, losing your bloody show can mean a lot of things. It can mean you're going to have a baby that day. It can mean you're going to have a baby in a week. So, um, I wasn't again, too excited, but I did text my midwife and my doula. Um, my doula, by the way, I should mention, um, is like my doula wife. Like we back up each other in doula in our doula businesses and we're very close. So I could like text her anything and, and it would be fine. That's awesome. So I text yeah, both of cool. them and yeah. Um, and let them know, you know, something was happening, but I'm like, it's going to be a while. I know it's going to be a while. I kept telling everybody like this takes forever with me. Don't even like listen to me for a few days, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Just go about your business. Exactly. And again, if you make it, you make it. It's fine, right? Um, And actually, when I texted my my doula that morning and I was like, hey, I lost my bloody show, she was on her way to another birth. And I was like having some contractions. And she texted me. She's like, okay, do not touch your nipples. I'm on my way to another (laughs) birth. Just, (laughs) you know... Hands off the nipples. <laughs> Don't do anything crazy, right? No nipples, though. No nipples. And honestly, I think my body was like, oh, stop. Like, just can't be there yet. Stop. Because honestly, like, my contractions kind of started to fizzle out. I'm like, oh, man. So um, that day, my husband stayed home from work. And we took our uh, older two girls to my mother-in-law's to watch her. Because um, we thought okay, maybe something's going to happen. And if not, like, let's try and, you know, walk around or whatever. So we dropped the girls off and we ended up going to Target because I wanted baby shampoo because we didn't have any baby shampoo. Um, And then we went to the zoo to kind of walk around and make things happen, you know, see if we could get contractions going again. And I did have like some intense contractions, but they were like really sporadic, maybe 10, 15 minutes apart. Uh, and I kept joking, like, I can't be that lady that has a baby at the zoo, so we can't stay very long, you know, like, <laughs> wouldn't that be something? Here I am, a doula, and, like, I go into labor at the zoo and have a baby next to the lions or something. That would be just my luck. <laughs> but it didn't happen. <laughs> so we walked around the zoo, and, um, you know, contractions, again, like, fizzled out and weren't anything crazy. Um, we ended up going home. Um, I made a onesie for baby Agnes, um, with my, like my Etsy business stuff. I made her, made her a onesie. Oh, and I should mention too, before we came home, we had lunch, um, at this brewery 
And I always tell my clients, my birth dual clients, like eat something light. If you think you're going into labor, like a nice protein with some salad and some fruit. Um, you guys, I ate the entire world. <laughs> I ate, it was this like buffet style tapas thing. And I ate little slider cheeseburgers and quesadillas and fried green beans and peanut butter cake. Like I left that place literally like feeling sick. I ate so much food, um, which I would regret later. Oh no! Yeah, girl. (laughs) So, um, so we do all that. Come home, and I'm I'm like so upset at this point. I'm like nothing's happening, and I was really agitated. There's your sign. I was super agitated. Um, I'm like nothing's happening. Let's just go pick up the kids. Like, uh, you know, this baby's not coming for another week, and whatever. So we go back to my mother-in-law's, pick up the kids. And then my husband's like, well, let's go visit your parents who live, you know, about 15 minutes away. And they have a a little farm with horses and stuff. And it's like, we can walk around the farm and just kind of hang out and get your mind off of it. And I was like, fine. I didn't really want to, but I'm like, fine, whatever. We'll do that. Even though I'm tired. Again, I should have gone home and napped, but whatever. So (laughs) we take the kids to my parents' house. Um, and we walked around, like, we walked all over the place and like up and down, we've got like a gravel pit. We went and looked for rocks in the gravel pit and did all this stuff. And still my, my contractions were like nothing to write home about really sporadic, still felt more like Braxton Hicks really than they did like contractions. Um, and we were sitting there at my parents' house then, and this is probably oh, about six thirty at night. And we were eating dinner with my parents and all of a sudden I just get this wave of emotion over me that said like, I want to be home right now. So I start crying in the middle of dinner and Boomer, my husband Boomer is like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I want to go home. I just want to go home. He's like, okay, crazy pants. We'll go home, whatever. (laughs) So we get in the car and I cried the entire drive home. We should have left the children with them. And instead we took them with us back home. Cause I'm like, this baby's never coming. We're taking the kids back home, whatever. So we drive all the way home and I'm crying and we get home and put the kids to bed. <clears throat> and so this is um, Thursday night, put the kids to bed at about eight o'clock or so. And then the rest of the night, like my contractions are kind of picking up. Um, I start at 10 o'clock. I start timing them on the, the, you know, contraction timer, which I had not done yet. Um, I started timing them. And again, they were like sporadic, five to 10 minutes apart, but they were kind of intense. But again, nothing to where I'm like, sound the alarms. I texted my birth team, my my two midwives and my um, doula. And I said, you know, these are my contractions. I sent them a picture of my contractions. I said, but nothing, you know, everybody go to sleep. I'm going to sleep, go to sleep. Nothing's happening. And So that's kind of what I did, but I couldn't really sleep. I ended up taking a bath. um, And while I was in the bath, it's probably like, oh, 1130 or so at this point, I told my husband like, hey, why don't you go ahead and make the bed? So as everyone who I'm sure listening to your podcast knows by now, you need to prepare for a home birth. We didn't do that very well. (laughs) we kept being in denial. So we had not yet um, blown up the birth tub, even though I'm 42 weeks pregnant because we have two cats and two toddlers. So we hadn't yet blown up the birth tub because I didn't want it, you know, ruined. Right. And we hadn't made the bed. We hadn't really, we had our kit in our room, but nothing was really like super accessible at this point. Um, But I told him like, since we had lost the bloody show and stuff, I'm like, Hey, why don't you just make the bed just in case? with the whole Dexter plastic and all that stuff. So he did. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I felt really weird buying that plastic at at Lowe's. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, okay, this is a lot of plastic. (laughs) Um, But so we made, you know, he made the bed while I was in the bathtub and thank the Lord he did that because um, I get out of the bath. And at this point it's about, 1230 at night or so. And I lay down in bed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bed. And I had been listening to hypno babies, um, tracks on my uh, phone throughout the pregnancy. And it's really funny because the, um, 
whole like mantra of the track that I was really into was I am calm. I am centered. I am in control, Mm. which is not what ended up happening. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like laying in bed, like chanting my, my, my mantra and listening to the hypno babies and like falling asleep. And he's out in the living room playing video games because that's what he does. And all of a sudden around one o'clock, my water breaks. And this has never happened to me previously with the other two. I'd always had to have my, not had to have, but always had um, my water broken at like eight centimeters manually with Mm -hmm. the little crochet hook in the hospital. So never had I ever had my water break. And it felt like 7,000 jellyfish coming out of my vagina. Oh my gosh. So that was weird. (laughs) Right. Right. It was super weird. It felt so, so the jellyfish come out. Right. And I let out the scream of like panic because I was, it just caught me off guard. Right. So, and I have my snoodle with me that is like that long pregnancy pillow. Yes. I'm like clutching my snoodle. I throw the snoodle so as not to um, get fluid all over it. Right. And I like instantly get up on my knees and when I let out the screen, we have a very small house um, and the nursery where the 18 month old is like 10 feet from our bedroom. So I let out the screen and the baby wakes up and she is like scream crying in the other room. Right. And so Boomer, my husband, Boomer pops up from the couch and I'm like, Boomer, my water broke, my water broke. And in my mind, I knew for some reason, like I've seen it plenty of times where women's water breaks and like nothing really happens for a while and contractions don't start for a while. Um, I knew that was not what was going to happen um, for my birth because I just, I don't know. I just got this feeling and I said, boomer, I need to tell you all these things before the first contraction hits. Like you need to get the first tub blown up. We need to call my mom. We need to call the midwife. And I'm like trying to spout out all this information to him while the other baby is crying in the other room. And then the first contraction hits and it was like a semi truck hitting my body. It was full on like, okay, we are like instantly in transition. And I just let out this howl of like scream, like the scream. Oh my gosh. I didn't know. I don't even know who that was. It was like, I wasn't even in my body. Mm -hmm. So my poor husband, I'm pretty sure is traumatized (laughs) by this birth. He runs into the, into the nursery the baby has crapped your pants okay poop everywhere (laughs) i'm like you are kidding me right now you're kidding me luckily when i had taken my bath i left the bath water in there so i like army crawled into the bathroom and into the tub and i'm screaming at him blow up the birth tub call my mom like all these different things and he only has two arms and he's cleaning a poopy diaper so he's cleaning the poopy diaper. I'm screaming. Then the almost four-year-old wakes up upstairs because she hears all the commotion. She starts crying because she thinks I'm dying. And she comes downstairs. Um, I had my phone with me and I texted my birth team. Okay, this is a public service announcement to everyone. Do not text your birth team when you are about to like have a baby come out of you. Call them. Please call. That was, that was silly of me. Fair enough. So and it's funny, like as a doula, I'm always like, please call me so I can hear you. And there I am texting my birth team. And so I text them all water broke and I see their text messages back and it's like, oh, great. Try and get some sleep. Oh no, <laughs> no, no. We're, we're past that. We're past that team. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. And my husband can't like get to a phone because he's with all the poop, right? And so I text back, please come now. And that was the last thing I, t- I had on my phone. And I'd also text my mom, please come now to get the kids, thank God. And I just remember like sitting in the tub with each contraction hitting me, just like, you know, this crazy force with every contraction. And all I could think was, no one believes me. No one believes that I'm in like the this is happening right now and I'm going to have this baby alone and I think I'm going to die. And that's, that's basically what's happening. So looking back, I think I was just instantly in transition. And so my husband gets the the baby all settled in the nursery with the poop and my two children are (laughs) 
<laughs> in the living room and he put trolls on for them as loud as humanly possible um, to try and drown out my screaming. <clears throat> so I'm in the bathroom having these waves and all you can hear is Poppy singing Get Back oh, Up Again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> From the living room, right? My children are <laughs> clutching each other, hugging each other, crying, right? <laughs> they think I'm dying. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you guys. And I open up the bathroom door and I just screamed at him, turn off the effing trolls. <laughs> I'm not going to have my baby to troll. Slam <laughs> the door. My poor husband. And so now he's trying to blow up the birth tub while the children are crying and, you know, all the things at one in the morning. So he's trying to blow up the birth tub, which was very sweet of him. But that was not going to happen. As you guys know, it takes like a few hours to make the birth tub happen. Yeah. So he's like trying to do that. In the meantime, my mom shows up. <clears throat> so my mom shows up and my mom has had two hospital births, both unmedicated and she in the 80s. And she always tells me, get the drugs please get the drugs. So that's kind of her mindset on birth, first of all. And then she comes in and I'm on the bathroom floor on my hands and knees, just like wailing like a banshee. Um, and she comes into the bathroom and as she comes in, I like clutch her. I'm holding onto her with both my hands and I'm screaming, I want drugs at her, mm. um, which I did not mean, but at the time, that's what I thought. Yeah. I'm like, no one's coming. Right. My midwives are like an hour away. And so I'm just screaming at her. I want drugs. And so I can see the panic in her face. And she's like, do you want me to call the ambulance? She kept saying that. Should I call 911? Should I call 911? And I, I kept going, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Give me drugs. And she's like, I don't have drugs. So <laughs> my husband gets the children into the car for my mom. And I'm like, mom, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Um, and it's just like this crazy panic, right? Which again, my hypnobirthing track was, I am calm. I am centered. I am in control. And that's not what I was. I was losing my shit. So, um, then around a one thirty or so, uh, my doula Jess comes in and it was like angels appeared and like trumpets were sounding mm. and, I'm telling you, it was just the most amazing feeling. She comes in and she is like this earth goddess woman. Like she always smells like patchouli. She never wears makeup. <laughs> she's just like gorgeous, right? So she comes in and she's just this calming presence. And my mom's still with me. And I'm like leaning over the peanut ball, like yelling with each contraction. And she comes in and I just, I hold on to her. And I just will never forget how soft her sweatshirt was first of all, and I'm like clutching it. And I just say, I nuzzle my face into her chest and I go, Oh my God, Jess, you smell so good. Ah! <laughs> I don't know why. That's, that's the first thing. Like she smells like patchouli. Yes. You just had to let her know. <laughs> so she, I had to let her know in that moment. I don't know why. <laughs> so, and she has been, she's a very seasoned doula. She's been doing this for like six years and she's, um, probably going to be on her way to becoming a midwife at some point. And so she comes in and I see her start washing her hands and I'm like, Jess, are you going to be catching my baby? Like, is that what's happening right now? And she's like, well, um, I think you're pretty far along here and you're pushing. So uh, I didn't even notice that I was pushing. Like I was kind of holding back the pushes with each contraction and I didn't even realize it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's happening? Like, we're going to have this baby, just you and me and my husband's in the other room blowing up a birth tub. That's not even going to happen. Like this is crazy. So my mom takes the kids away and now it's just my doula and my husband and I, and my poor husband's like frantically trying to do this birth tub. And this is a man that like, when the situations are intense, he wants to build things like that's, that's how he copes with stressful <laughs> situations, you know? So he's like, I have to get this tub up. And my doula just looks at him and she's like, Boomer, um, yeah, I don't think we're going to have time for that. In like the most calm, peaceful voice. And I'm still, you know, just yelling. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So he comes over and he's with us and we're still on the bathroom floor, which um, my bathroom is very tiny. So that was strange. And I'm still on my hands and knees. Uh, and then about 10 minutes later, or so my midwife 
star shows up and I had two midwives coming star and Kate and star shows up first and she comes in and mind you at this point, I, she had never, she could even, she didn't even know I had a vagina really. She'd never seen it. Um, she'd never checked me, uh, upon my wishes. You know, I'd never wanted any checks, anything like that. Um, so she comes in and immediately I'm like, star, I need you to check me. And she's like, are you sure? Are you sure that's what you want to do? Because in my mind, it's only been like an hour since my water broke at this point. And in my mind with my previous labors, I was thinking, oh my God, I'm only like four centimeters and this is how it's feeling. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to make it to the end because uh, like, that's usually what happens to me is it's usually really slow. So I'm thinking like, there's no way I'm at 10 or anything like that. Um, So she comes in and she checks. And she like barely puts her fingers inside of me. I could, you know, feel this and she barely puts her fingers inside of me. And she goes, and she's also like this very sweet, like calm, serene person, tiny little thing, gorgeous. And she's like, oh, okay, well, um, you are totally complete, fully effaced. And um, that is a baby head at negative two. So you can go ahead and push if you want. And I'm like, what? what? Like my mind is just blown. I, I've never gotten to 10 on my own without like an epidural or someone breaking my water or anything like that. Um, and all of a sudden here I am complete. Like I did all of it by myself. It was so awesome. Um, so I'm like, okay. And with the next contraction, I like let myself, let my body take over, I guess is how I would describe it. I wasn't really feeling like I was doing the pushing, like my body just started doing the pushing and it was me not holding it back anymore. And it felt amazing. I'm like, okay, this feels much better. You know, at first the pushing feels amazing. Um, And at some point in there, my second midwife, Kate showed up too, and she was kind of acting as the birth assistant. So she was going to help with all the baby things and all that. Um, So I I'm pushing in the bathroom for a while. Um, (laughs) I mean, not to get too personal, but that lunch that I had had earlier, um, that was a bad idea was definitely becoming a very bad idea at that point. Uh, I never ended up throwing up, but I felt nauseous the entire time. Um, and so I'm like kind of dry heaving Mm. and you know, birth is birth. Things are coming out the other end Yeah, and I'm like, (laughs) conscious enough to know that things are coming out the other end and I keep yelling like I know I'm pooping don't tell me I'm not pooping I know I am right like but I didn't want everybody else to like know and not tell me like I wanted them to know I knew right (laughs) I'm not oblivious to what's happening (laughs) right like I need you to know I know (laughs) I don't know why. Um, so, but that's good. That means, you know, pushing is going well. So um, at some point my arms are like so tired because at this point I've been my arm, my hands and knees for so long um, that we moved to the bedroom and I thought, okay, let's um, somebody suggested let's do sideline position. Um, so that's what we did. I, I got on my side on the bed and um, we used the peanut ball in between And it's funny because I've used this position like a million times. I've suggested this position to clients and a lot of clients really like it because you can rest while still getting good, effective pushes. Um, And I hated it. I hated every second of it. It felt like my hips were exploding. My husband had to like do hip squeezes like so hard on my hips. So I only stayed there for a few pushes. Um, And then I went back over the uh, peanut ball, my hands and knees, but it was a little better because I'm on the bed at this point. Um, and it's funny too, I, I thought I wasn't going to want anyone touching me. Like I thought I wanted to be before this labor had happened. I thought, okay, I want to be like a cat in a drawer. Like, I don't want anyone touching me. I want it to be dark. I want no one in the room. Like, I just want it to be me, maybe some candles and I want music. Um, so that's not what it was. The lights were on. It was super bright, which I didn't even care about. Didn't even, didn't even register in my mind. Um, there was no music and my husband kept asking me, Rachel, do you want to put your music on? Cause I had told him previously, like, make sure my music is on, make sure it's on. And every time he asked me, Rachel, do you want me to turn on your music? I would yell, shut the F up at him very angrily. Boomer is like a hero in this. <laughs> That's awesome. 
He is the poor man. Oh my gosh. So poor guy. I probably screamed shut the F up at him like 37 times <laughs> in the span of two hours. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm such a jerk. Um, so the, you know, the lights are on, there's no music and I needed everybody in the room and I needed boomer on top of me. So like, I needed like both of his hands and like his arms, like pushing me down almost like on my back. And I, I can't even describe that feeling, but it felt like whenever he took his arms off of me, like I was just going to fly away. Like I felt like I needed him holding me to the ground mm. and like just having him there was so comforting. Just having him like physically on me. And whenever he would move, I'm like, get on me, get on me, shut the F up, get on me. <laughs> so poor guy. <laughs> Um, then at some point, so I'm, I was pushing for, for a little while, then hands and knees again. And my midwife could see that I was getting really tired. So my midwife stars, like, I don't want to sound too hospitally is the word she used, but do you want to push on your back? And immediately, as soon as she suggested that I was like, yes, that's exactly what I want, which again, who would have thought? And I flip on my back and I felt so much better. Like I could, I could rest in between and I felt like my pushes were a lot more forceful, which is funny because like nobody ever expects to put, want to push on their back, but that's exactly what I wanted. So, um, and that's where I stayed until the end. So I, I pushed then for, Oh gosh, another half an hour or so hour. Um, and she started crowning and, I I was like in this, my mind was like so shocked. It was happening so fast and I'd never done this by myself before. And like, I was just so amazed that my body was doing this. I kept like not believing when she's like, okay, you know, your baby's getting really close. We can see your head. She's got hair. She's crowning. I'm like, you guys are lying. This isn't real life. Like this isn't happening. Um, but it was. And, and so she starts crowning and my midwife's like, okay, controlled little pushes. And she was, um, you know, giving me perennial massage and oils and, and really supporting my perineum. And she's like, you're doing so amazing. You're such a good pusher. Cause I was doing these little pushes, but honestly I had zero control. I'm like, okay, that's great, but I'm not really doing anything. That's just my body doing this because I don't actually want to feel this. So I'm doing these little pushes. <laughs> so it was just like completely out of my control. I, it just, my body just did it. Um, and she ended up, uh, I ended up birthing her head and, um, I should also say my first two babies, I'm, a, I'm five, two, my husband is five, seven. We are tiny people. And, um, my first two babies were seven pounds, one ounce. My second baby was seven pounds, six ounces. So like when my second baby, the V-back came out, she just kind of like all of her just kind of flopped out, you know, like the jellyfish feeling. Um, and this one, Agnes's head came out and then I'm like, okay where's the rest of her? Like, why isn't she coming out? And I ended up having to actually like push out her shoulders. Mm. Um, and I did tear a tiny little bit, um, pushing out her shoulders, but I didn't tear it all with her head. Um, and so then she like finally comes out and it probably was like five minutes after her head came out that the rest of her body came out. It took a little bit for me to get my breath and like for another wave to come. Um, and she came out giant baby, Mm. you guys, (laughs) giant. She was nine pounds. So I'm like, holy cow. (laughs) So crazy. Um, and with my second baby, my seven sixer, like I had had to have a vacuum and I tore like super crazy with her. Um, and with this nine pound baby, like teeny little cosmetic tear, that was Mm -hmm. it. So she comes out, she's covered in vernix, like birthday cake mm. all over her, which I also thought was weird because she's a 42 week baby. Yeah, yeah. Right. But she's covered in birthday cake and comes up and she just comes right to my chest. And it was amazing. I also had never had that. So mm. my cesarean baby went right to the warmer. My V-back baby with the vacuum, because we were using a vacuum, she went right to the warmer. And this baby came right to my chest and it was just so amazing the feeling was so amazing um nobody like did anything to her nobody poked any of us uh, nobody put bracelets on us you know none of that just left us alone and like basked in the glory of the oxytocin like it was just amazing um and then we cut the cord probably 45 minutes later or so we cut the cord I did have a little 
trouble getting my placenta out. Um, not that like there was anything wrong, but it's like all of a sudden I forgot how to push. Yeah. It's like, like I'm done. My mid- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My body was like, no, 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 I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> my midwife's like, just do like little pushes. I'm like, am I pushing? I, I don't know. Yeah. I can't tell. I don't yeah. know what's happening. But it finally came out and everything looked good with it. It actually was a little bit calcified because she was, you know, she was in cooking quite a while. (laughs) So crazy, like birthday cake and a calcified placenta was weird. Um, But yeah, that was it. And then basically, you know, my my birth team, she was born at 3.53 in the morning. Uh, My birth team stayed till about six in the morning and they helped me get a shower and cleaned up and cleaned up all of the mess and everything. Um, That's one thing like I didn't expect, especially like after listening to your guys' podcasts and stuff, I'm like, okay, home birth isn't that messy. Like it's not messy because you're prepared. Well, you have to prepare for it not to be messy, (laughs) which we didn't do. (laughs) So like we had to throw out a lot of towels. Um, And actually that snoodle that I had thrown that I had wanted to like preserve they had put the snoodle on me after the baby was born and they put the baby on my chest. Well, then she poops. Right. right. And it's all over the snoodle. It was everywhere. Bye, snoodle. Just Bye, black snoodle. tar. <laughs> yeah. The snoodle did not make it. And which is really sad because it's like a really expensive pillow. Mm. Um, yeah. But so that's, that's basically it. You know, I mean, it was just amazing how much faster it was at home. And also, how much more comfortable I was just, I never had to get any shots or any, nobody's poking us, nobody, no beeping of monitors or anything like that. It was just so peaceful, except for me yelling the word fuck all the time. Yeah. (laughs) You know, other than that, all of that kind of melts away in the wake of a new baby and fresh and on your chest and all of that. It's like, eh, Maybe a little bit of a shit show for a second, but like, look at this, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What an amazing story. Rachel, you are so rad, girl. Thanks. You are rad too. I love listening to you guys. So awesome. Just thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this with us. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, what uh, sort of... Uh, feedback or questions or anything. So those of you listening, if you have questions for Rachel or want any follow up um, on her story, please reach out to us and um, we'll, we'll get any extra scoops that, that we need. Um, thank you so much again, Rachel. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>